Hello, what have we here? Welcome to the first edition of Quarantine uh, Lando's Lounge. Yeah. Uh, We were supposed to release an episode on Thursday. However, uh, Wednesday night... When we would typically record. When we would typically record. The apartment across from me was put into on-campus quarantine because three of them tested positive for COVID. And then we all night were getting calls from the nurses building on campus to tell us that we need to make appointments at the nurses tomorrow, that we weren't allowed to leave our room at all until then, and that we were going into quarantine for 14 days. And that we had to pack a bag of anything that we would need. So... I was a little too busy Wednesday and Thursday to do anything um, moving into. Honestly, it's an apartment the same size as the uh, three uh, or five person apartment that I was living in, except now it's just me and there's less furniture. (laughs) So that's so sad. It's it's been interesting. I've watched tons of Naruto, a few movies almost all of the available episodes of Lovecraft Country that are out. And I've started reading a book. I finished a different book. I did homework. A lot of hours of Among Us have been put in. Couldn't be me. So, so I'm keeping busy. Um, But yeah, that's why we couldn't put out an episode this week. Uh, But fortunately, this Saturday, which is today, the day that we're recording... Uh, the day before we release it was the day that we decided to watch The Last Jedi and do our rewatch series about it. I was super pumped to do it because it's my favorite one. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know your ranking of the movie. Hmm. Well, I struggle to rank things numerically. Or through any star kind of system. But I definitely do like the movie. And it certainly is my favorite out of the sequel trilogy. But I don't know if it's top three for me. Hmm. So kind of, it probably top five, you know, in hmm. the better half for sure. Yeah, I actually, I was looking back through my old Instagram, and when this came out, like, I didn't remember how I reacted, because there was a lot going on in that time period. It was, like, my first winter break from college, and all I remember was, well, I didn't really remember a lot, um... But I stumbled upon a post that was a picture of Ryan Johnson. And it was like, this man is a genius. He made a masterpiece. I was like, that's pretty accurate to what I think right now. And then the next post after that was my ranking at the time. And it was Empire Strikes Back as number one. Rogue One is number two, which is not true anymore. Rogue One (laughs) fell way down. Not way, way down, but it definitely is not number two. Um... I think that Vader scene carried Rogue One pretty high for like a few years after that came out. Yeah. And then Last Jedi was number three. 
and then Revenge of the Sith was number four. I don't remember what number five was, but that's how I ranked it, I guess, initially. And I've only come to like it more since, and it's now my number one pick. So I, th- I thought that was really interesting. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I know... I think I remember like the initial kind of letdown that people had, and I couldn't remember if I also felt that in some capacity, but it turns out not, because I, I pretty much was the same. I thought Ryan Johnson made like a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember the Thursday night, like before opening night, we saw it, and I was so... Like, at school the next day, I wouldn't shut up about it to my friends who hadn't seen it. I was like, yo, it was so awesome. And then, obviously, I didn't see it again in theaters. So it was months and months and months until I saw it again. And so, like, on social media, I was seeing a lot of hate uh, and criticism of it. And that kind of made me think less of it slowly over time. But then the next time I watched it, and could kind of re-experience it for myself, I was like, yeah, no, this is good. This is really good. (laughs) Yeah. um, Every time I've watched it since, like, it came out, it's just more and more confusing why people hate the things they hate about this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, like, we'll probably get into addressing some of that stuff and our thoughts on why we don't hate it. Yeah, this... this title for the episode could be debunking TLG TLJ hate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, me? hopefully, hopefully this episode isn't just calling out people that hate the last <laughs> Jedi. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but we're definitely going to talk about things that people hate and why we don't think they're hmm. worthy of the hate they receive. Um, I guess starting right out the gate, the, biggest thing with this movie for me that's like the weirdest choice but I understand is like it seems to pick up immediately after The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I (laughs) uh, I had forgotten that and even while I was watching it I had forgotten it until right at the end when Rey walks up to Poe and Poe goes, hi, I'm Poe. I'm yeah. like, what? They haven't yeah. done that yet? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm all wrong. I'm like, but I don't know. I don't even know what I was thinking. But yeah, it does. it's always surprising to me. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember if the end of Force Awakens leaves, like, a gap of time before Rey goes to see Luke. And after Starkiller Base is destroyed. I don't really remember. But. Like it is pretty immediate. Mm -hmm. And. Like I get why. Because of the way JJ ended. The Force Awakens with Rey holding out the lightsaber. Like if they had started this movie like. Mm-hmm. already in the middle of training with Luke, people would have been like, well, wait a minute, what did he say? And then they would have made, like, a whole comic book about it or something. <laughs> yeah, but, um... 
it seems to me like uh, right after kind of the Star Killer, they blew it up. They just scrambled the the First Order fleet to attack where their base was. So because like the first thing we see is them loading a bunch of like loading everyone onto the ships and kind of evacuating there. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, very Empire Strikes Back ish. Yeah. Um, while I was watching this, I was kind of trying to, like, notice similarities between Empire, like how we talked about on the Empire episode. There are a lot of Mm -hmm. similarities in, like, the story structure between these two movies. Although sometimes they're more, like, they're reversed. Like, the Battle of Hoth happens, like, at the beginning of the movie. And the Battle of Crate isn't until the very end. Mm-hmm. So they're two, like, they're similar in the events and things. Like, the event of the battles are the same, but, like, they're at different points in the story, so they serve a different purpose. Like, the Battle of Hoth is, is like, the event that kickstarts the story. And then the Battle of Crate is kind of the coming together of all the different storylines at the end of this one. So that that was fascinating to watch. And like Luke and Ray's training mirrors um, Luke and Yoda's training in Empire. And um, like we said last time, like the whole uh, ship chase of Empire Strikes Back and the ship chase of The Last Jedi making up like the primary storyline of the other characters that aren't the Jedi. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of similarities there, but we already talked about a lot of that, so we'll try not to like keep going over that stuff. Yeah. But um, like I, I was watching, so there's a version of this, there's a version of this on Disney Plus that is the score only version. And they cut out all sound that isn't the musical score. So you watch the movie and you see all the visuals and everything, but the only sounds that you ever hear are when the music play. So I I had watched like some parts of it just out of curiosity. I was watching this movie today, just the normal version. And when it got to the scene where Ray meets Luke for the first time, I was paying, like, extra attention to the music. And, like, the music cued a, like, feeling of confusion or, like, something's wrong here. Like, you know how in a movie, or, like, I can't name a specific example, but, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, imagine a Twilight Zone episode where the main character goes into a town and nobody's in the town and it's like really weird. And there's like, it's supposed to feel like something is very wrong, but Mm -hmm. you don't really know what. And that's like the music in this scene gave me that feeling like something, not just something like something is different, but like something is bad. (laughs) Like something is not good. And you don't know what. And that's the feeling that I got. 
just listening to the music in that scene, like she looks down into the water and sees Luke's X-Wing and like it's fully submerged and all that stuff. And like Luke is like hiding in a house and all that, all this stuff. And it like was just, it just felt really creepy and weird and wrong. And I know the biggest complaint I think people have of this movie is Luke and how they treated Luke. But that part watching it was like, I don't, I don't think the filmmakers are saying, I know they're not saying that like <laughs> what Luke did is right. Cause the point of that is that, yeah, it's, it was a bad thing for Luke to do and people are upset. Like Luke would never do that. And then it's like, I feel like the filmmakers are saying like, yeah, right. Why did he do that? Like, that's not something he should have ever done. Why did he do that? Or why would he do that? Mm -hmm. So it was like, like, uh, uh, we'll get into it when we get to that. Or I don't know when, but like, I think Luke has done really well. And I've said that before on here. And like, I think, I, I don't think that Disney or whoever you want to blame for make, for ruining Luke was like actively trying to ruin or change Luke in any way. I think what they were doing was they were trying to explore a character that you know, but has changed over time, but not like, not changed everything about them, but like they've gone through something difficult and like, how does that affect them? And then how can they come back to that status? Yeah, and the thing is, this kind of taking this character of Luke in this direction is not completely, like, out of left field. Like, in The Force Awakens, Han and Leia are like, oh, yeah, we sent... He's like, we lost our son. He was like, yeah, we sent him off to learn with Luke. And we're like, okay, something happened there. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think he woke up one day and he was like, I'm... I'm evil now, mom and dad. <laughs> like, yeah. something obviously happened. We don't know exactly what, and we don't know to what extent Luke was involved. But then taking that jump and kind of learning what Luke actually did, like, it shouldn't be that jarring from a storytelling point of view. It's jarring, like, within the story, as it should be. It's an emotional kind of moment. But, uh, yeah, I just don't really get why people were so taken aback mm-hmm yeah i mean i guess the argument is like luke would never think of killing his nephew and it's like all right well he almost killed his dad his dad almost killed luke his dad did kill a lot of people so it's like is it really that hard to believe that luke might struggle with like emotional responses to things yeah, like that's that's Anakin's yeah. primary character trait is that he acts ab like brashly and out of emotion more than yeah. Anything. How many and how Luke many does people that too, in the original? The time. Yeah, how many people in the original trilogy tell Luke that he's like too much like his father, Darth Vader, like mm -hmm. the, the evil Sith Lord, Darth Vader? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And it's, like, sus. it's like there's a there's a funny video. Like people always say, like Luke would never be so pessimistic, and there's I, well, I don't know if the video actually exists, but like you could make a video of Luke 
and all the times that he like mm-hmm. whines about something or says like we'll never make it out of here or mm-hmm. we're all gonna die can't you see <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know i i liked i think um not just talking about like the writing of his character but like mark hamill's performance of him is really good in this and like there's the documentary the director and the jedi um it's like behind the scenes of how they made this movie and it's really really good and i can't recommend it more but mark hamill talks about like i fundamentally disagree with where this character's going true you might but he's like it's my job to make your vision come true so that's what i'm gonna do and he like committed to it fully and it's like Maybe the best, well, not maybe, it is the best performance of the character Luke Skywalker in any of the movies. Um, obviously, Hamill's older now and, like, has a lot more experience. And, like, mm-hmm. watching how he plays, like, young and brash and, like, naive Luke compared to this Luke, like, it's really impressive transition. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, he's had some he's had some voice acting experience, some pretty iconic like evil characters. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, just little nuances of like darkness in his voice. That's one mm-hmm. thing I noticed. That like, I don't know, just little nuances in his like how he delivers lines. That I was just like, I don't really feel from some of the the younger actors in the movie and i'm just like dang you know he really is good you know Mm -hmm. well yeah um remember when the posters were coming out and there was a whole thing that was like in all star wars posters the villain always looms in the background and luke is looming in the background so there was a literal theory that luke was going to be the villain of this movie and then people got upset that luke was not like the Luke from the original mm-hmm. trilogy. So I was like, wait a minute. You were all saying that it was this cool conspiracy theory that Luke would be the villain. And even when Force Awakens came out, people were like, I bet Luke is Kylo Ren. Even when they were like, no, we can't have a driver is Kylo Ren. I don't. I <laughs> People thought Luke was going to be the villain. Like, there was literal conspiracy theories about this and fan theories. And I remember hearing about them all the time. And then somehow people went from that to Luke would never kill his nephew. This is terrible. This is bad. I was like, wait a minute. What? Mm-hmm. We all thought he was going to be the villain. I don't know. It, it was very weird. Um, that is crazy. I don't remember hearing that. Yeah. Maybe you weren't on the internet as much back then. No, probably but... not. I was a freshman, I think. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I like Luke a lot. Everything that happens on Ashto. Do you say Octo or Ashto? Because I've heard it both. Um, That's the planet that he's on. I, well, yeah. I don't refer to it by name that often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess that's true. Typically, I, I type it more than I say it. Mm. But I don't know. Either I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to say. Either way. I like that planet a lot. Um, I want to talk about two weird things. <laughs> two things that people th- think are weird and 
first of them is Luke drinking the green milk. <laughs> all right. It is weird. All right. I will say it is a really weird scene. But the point of that is Luke is trying to completely ruin the image that Ray has of Luke Skywalker. Like he had, like he says so many times, like everyone thought I was like a legend. He's, and then he's like, and I couldn't live up to it. Like that's mm-hmm. the whole point. It's like everyone was like, "Oh, Luke is the Jedi. He will, he will bring everything to like perfect harmony." And he's like, "I couldn't do that." He's like, "I, I Leia trusted me with her son because I was Luke Jedi or <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Luke Skywalker, Jedi. <laughs> Luke Skywalker, a Jedi Master, a legend." And he's like. I I I'm just like Luke. Like I'm the, I'm the same Luke that grow up that grew up on Tatooine moisture farming and mm-hmm. wanted to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Like I'm that guy. I'm not I'm not like Yoda or Obi Wan. I I'm just like a guy. And then you know Ray shows up with all these like. You're you're a Jedi. We need the Jedi to stop the First Order, and you need to face down the First Order and bring the galaxy to peace again. And he's like, "I won't. I can't." Um, so I think that scene, while it is it is definitely jarring to watch, he's trying to say like, mm-hmm. "Look, this is who I am. Like, I'm not I'm not your hero. I'm a guy who." drinks green milk fresh from the sea cow, okay? Fresh from the That's who I am. I'm the kind of guy who pole vaults over a canyon and hauls a six-foot fish out of the ocean. <laughs> he's like, this is not... <laughs> Legendary. He's like, I am not I am not who you think I am anymore. Um, another weird scene was Leia getting shot in the cockpit and then floating back to safety. Now... We'll get to Rise of Skywalker next week, but the scene where Luke and Leia train in that movie definitely benefits this scene. Because I remember watching it in theaters and going, what? What the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was weird. I remember I remember yeah. being like, um, okay, to that scene in particular. Watching it this time, I actually thought it was like, really a beautiful scene like the music and like the slow motion or not slow motionness but mm-hmm. there's just there's a quality in the camera on this film that I couldn't place in any of the other ones but like it just seemed especially in like that scene it got really close to her face and like you could see the ice starting to like freeze across her face and then like her hand moves and it's just like super close-ups of like parts and like there's a there's a uh, later in the movie the close-up of Ray's hand on the ground when she's kind of doing the force training with Luke and like the stones are floating around it in slow-mo yeah the close-up of um Luke's eyes. I'm sure there's many other close-ups throughout this movie. Yeah, I I did notice that I feel like this movie, in terms of like the actual cinematography, is probably the most experimental 
of any oh, definitely. Yeah. Star Wars. That's but, a good word for it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely the most, um, I'll say, like, risky. Like, in terms of filmmaking, just techniques, like, leave story elements out of it. Just in terms of, like, the, the like, dirty work of filming. Mm-hmm. Um really good but also like so different than anything else yeah like probably the biggest example is again like when luke is kind of teaching ray and she's like reaching out with the force and like she it just briefly flashes to like a porg nest or something and mm-hmm. she's like life and then it's like violence and it shows like waves crashing across yeah rocks and stuff and it's just like super quick and like yeah, super I believe, close shots I believe of that technique is called like parallel montage or something like that where you cut in between um <laughs> yeah okay parallel montage well it it's some kind of uh cutting between two things um yeah but yeah like there's i can't think of another example where that happens like thinking back to empire yoda's like it's all around us the trees the rocks the mm-hmm. animals or whatever and it's just Yoda standing there. Yeah. Static shot. And then this one, it's cutting in between and showing them. And that, like, especially that scene is really, like, like you said, experimental. But I, I wouldn't go as far as to call it experimental. But for a blockbuster, yeah, probably that's mm-hmm. more oh, experimental yeah. than I don't mean, else. like, no one has ever done this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not... But that's not at least for Star Wars, definitely switching it up. Another example is, like, in the throne room, right after Snoke gets killed and, like, the Praetorian Guard kind of starts surrounding them. It like, right before they start fighting, it's, like, slow motion. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of speeds up to real time, and it's really yeah. cool. Um, Another cool... um. I guess you'd say experimental uh, moment is when um, Holdo does the Holdo maneuver and light speeds into the ship. Oh yeah, and it's just dead quiet. And that it, that another like striking visual. Oh, I remember um, in the theater, my yeah, mouth was, was just sitting there my jaw like was me. dropped, and I was just like, oh, because that is something I personally always thought about. Like, why I've I think about hyperspace a lot, actually, <laughs> and, like, different ways to utilize it. So that was, like, yo, they did it. They finally did it. Because, mm-hmm. like, we've seen, think, like, Anakin Skywalker has probably flown, like, kind of venerator, like, level mm-hmm. cruisers into various things before, but, like, never hyperspace through them. So mm-hmm. it was pretty gamer. Yeah, um... Let's talk about Holdo, because I know a lot of people don't like Holdo either. But I was watching it, and I was like, yo, Laura Dern can act any role, and I will I will love it. Like, Marriage Story, what mm-hmm. a great performance. Definitely deserved that Oscar. Yeah, this see, one... my, when I first watched it, I hated her. But that is the point. Like, by the end of the movie, I liked her. Like, that is the point. Mm-hmm. We're kind of... Through that storyline, like, we... Like, I guess Poe Dameron's arc as a whole is that, like, being impulsive and being cocky and thinking you know everything isn't the same as being a good leader. 
So we kind of learn this alongside of him because we think that he's like, yeah, this Holdo woman sucks. Like she's going to kill the resistance. And then Leia like smacks us in the face with like, yeah, guess what, idiot? We didn't tell you the plan. There was a plan and you almost ruined it. Like, mm-hmm. And then after that, when we see Leia and Holdo interact and obviously we see that she wasn't being careless and that it was part of a plan, like it draws us back in, which is which is truly a testament also to the performance, how like the entire movie she can be so unlikable and then like by the end you do like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um going into this movie knowing that Laura Dern was gonna be in it, being a fan of Jurassic Park was excited for her to be in there um and i thought the look of her character was so interesting because of like the pink hair and like she just looked like her costume it's hard to like describe what it is but it 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 looks it's just like a unique look that nobody has ever looked like in star wars yeah if i mean if i I had to compare like I've heard people say, like, oh, she doesn't look like she belongs in Star Wars. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a galaxy full of aliens. There's a talking slug, and you're caught up on a woman with pink hair. That's the, your issue? Yeah. There's a giant talking <laughs> slug. There's a slug right there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, contrasting um, Holdo and DJ, because watching this, I liked DJ a lot this time around. I always thought he was kind of like weird and didn't really care for him. Um, Benicio Del Toro plays him, and he's such like a weird, quirky character, but not like a not like a Scott Pilgrim quirky. <laughs> he's like he's like a, he's a quirky kind of like antisocial weirdo. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like he's not, he's not like funny. Like he's not co- there for comedic relief. Really, he's just like, uh, do we trust this guy? I don't know. He's kind of clicking with his tongue, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I I did not notice the stutter until this watch through. I was like, because I, I mean, typically when I watch movies on my own, I watch them with subtitles. But, like, I just never noticed it before, which makes me think maybe this is the first time I've watched the movie with subtitles. That doesn't sound right to me, but mm. I can't think of another explanation. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the journey that we go on with Holdo is here's this newcomer who someone has told us, someone that we know and trust, Leia, has told us that we can trust Holdo to help the resistance. But throughout the entire movie, we don't trust her. Until the end when she proves herself and we're like, oh, okay, I see the error of my ways. I should have trusted her because obviously Leia wouldn't like be best friends with a traitor to the, re- to the resistance and like put her in command. And then we meet DJ and he's just kind of the second choice code breaker. They're supposed to meet this other guy and they get arrested beforehand. They meet this guy in a prison cell. And he's like, yeah, you can trust me. I can code break. And they're like, oh, he can code break. We should trust him. 
And we're like, oh, I bet he's like Han Solo. I bet he's got a heart of gold under there. And then he helps no. him out. And then he turns him into the First Order at first chance. And we're like, what? How could he do this? It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't trust the person that Leia put in control of the Resistance, but you trust a random dude that you met in a jail cell? Yeah. And the thing I love about that is they're like, uh, he's like, I can code break. And they're like, uh, no, thank you. And then he just goes over and like sticks a little card in the thing and opens the cell. And then they're like, wow, he can code break. I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I loved about him was like, he kind of, I, people like to hate on Canto Bite. First of all, I love the planet. Second of all, great musical score. Uh, Canto Bite is like most Eisley, but where most Eisley has like killers and criminals, or like killers and you know other kind of criminals that deal with like physical, mm -hmm. like physically harming people, like bounty hunters and murderers and things like that. Um, Canto Bite is like the white collar criminals, like the guys who profit off of war, um, people who exploit children to run their father races. <laughs> um, they're a different kind of criminal, but they're just as, if not more evil than the bounty hunters and murderers, because here's people that are selling ships not only to the first order but also to the resistance like he pulls up on the hologram the x-wing they're like yeah this guy's selling to both of you so is the resistance really as good as it claims to be or maybe they're not selling to the resistance but the new republic um but the new republic at this point is kind of like dumb. kind of blown up <laughs> <laughs> um but at some point in the past could have sold to the new kind republic of debris so it's like yeah okay you think the first order is corrupt but the new republic is also buying like profiteered x-wings and things so it's like yeah who's really bad you're both you're both wrong like you're both doing things shady yeah and then i love the quote he's like at when he betrays him, and Finn's like, how could you do this? And he's like, yeah, they'll blow you up today, you blow them up tomorrow. And then he says, uh, what does Finn say? Finn says, he's like, no, you're wrong. And then, and then he, he just goes, says, maybe. Maybe, and disappears. Like, oh, he's so, he's such a good character. Like, I never appreciated him until seeing him. And, like, that line especially, I'm like, dude, this guy is, like, like, everyone talks about, like, wanting a gray Jedi, someone who just, like, follows their own moral code and is, like, out for balance. And DJ is like that, but without the Jedi. He's just, like, yeah. a completely gray person. He's like, yeah, if it'll get me out of prison, I'll help the Resistance. He's like, but as soon as the, I get captured by the First Order, he's like, I'm out. Sorry. That's just yeah. what it is. And, and then... I would love to see DJ return in some form, like, comic book or book or... Um, I don't know, a future movie, though I doubt that's unlikely. But Benicio Del Toro is such a great actor that, like, why not bring him back if you can? But he's so, he's so interesting because he's like, he's like the Han Solo type or the Lando type. More so like the Lando type because he, like, betrays them at the end of this movie. But he doesn't, like, turn around and be like, all right, but now I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. 
um, it's just really interesting. And it's like, it's something that you don't really get as a character who is bad just because, not because they're bad or anything. It's just because like, oh, well, I, I guess I'll just do this. Yeah. And it all plays into this underlying message. It like lines up with what's being said with Luke and Ray is that like thing like the Jedi are not so great, okay? And like even Kylo Ren's thing is like, uh, like we have to leave the past behind, and then he's like the Jedi and the Sith, like the whole thing about like the separation, the tension, and the balance between good and evil and light and dark, like. It's not so clear cut all the time. Mm. And like, like one thing I've always kind of not liked about Star Wars is how much they talk about balancing the force, but balancing the force really just means the light side winning, which Mm -hmm. I mean, as it should be like, no one wants to see such a gloomy and depressing story where the darkness always wins. But like, I like the idea of this movie actually trying to, like, talk about, like, actual true balance. And it's a, just a really cool concept and a little bit mm-hmm. of a little psychological little little snack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I The writing and the language in this movie is, like, so, like, I don't want to just say good. It's, like, it's it's well done. Like, it's very... Um, eloquent. Um, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, what? there's some terrible lines in there. Like, that's that's how we're going to win, not by killing what we hate, but by saving what we love. Which, first of all, while it might come out kind of awkward, like, what she's saying is literally the entire, like, reason of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's what every single trilogy has been about, is not, like, not succumbing to hate, but doing things out of love. So what she's saying is we're not going to kill the First Order because we hate the First Order. We're going to fight the First Order because we love our friends and we love the Republic and we love freedom and we don't love tyranny. So we're, we're, we're going to fight them not because... Well, she's talking to Finn who wants to kill them because like they are kind of... Like his history with them and things like that. And he's like, what does he say before he's about to crash into them? He's like, no, I have to do this. He's I like, won't let I, them win or something. Yeah, he's like, I can't let them win. Yeah. Which... So he's like, yeah. he's, in, he's going after them because he hates them. And she has to remind him, like, no, don't act out of hatred. Act, act for something rather than against something. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the whole point of Star Wars. And then there's other lines like we are the spark that will light the flame that will burn down the first order that people are like, yeah, that's kind of awkward. And yeah, it's kind of like it's too much. I think Mm -hmm. you could just say like we're the flame that will burn down the first order, like the spark that will light the flame that will burn the fuel that will ignite the passion that will destroy the first order. It's kind of wordy, but like again the idea is a good one it's like a a strong Mm -hmm. one but um like the language that luke uses when he's training ray which first of all the first thing that he does when he's like 
now reach out. And she goes and extends her hand. And then he, he like rolls his eyes and then tickles her hand with a leaf. And she's like, <gasps> I feel something. Yeah. <laughs> that scene is so funny. <laughs> like, yeah. I was laughing. No, this movie is low-key so funny. It's it's really it's really funny, and then he's like, "No, reach out with your feelings." And then he he says that he's like the tension between all things, the balance. He's like, and in that balance, she's like, and then she's like, a force, or and then he's like, and inside you, and he's like that same force. So like just the, just like the language used and the wording and the writing is just really just yeah, I like I mean- it so much like it's so meaningful and well done and finely crafted i i it's like i want to read the script of this if i can find it somewhere. yeah another thing that kind of plays into kind of this differentness in the language and we're talking about like the filmmaking style of star wars when ray is like in the well and she's seeing her reflection like over and over and repeat the actions it's narrated by Ray. In the, mm-hmm. th- she was like, uh, it's, it seemed to go on forever, like talking in the past tense, but uh, I knew it didn't, like I was coming close to the end or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the heck? I don't remember. Yeah. Like, that's such I a weird perspective that. Uh, that certainly has never happened in Star Wars before. So Yeah, and then at the end, it's her talking to Kylo via the force thing but like we're watching the events and we're hearing her at a at the future time talking to him about it so it seems really weird and then you finally catch up to that point and then you're like oh i see yeah um then in that scene i know a lot of people were going into this like who are raised parents and then this one gives us the answer that they're nobody. I really like that. <laughs> I like that more than like Ray being anybody else. Yeah, I mean, they do the parent trick one time, and then mm-hmm. people are like, oh, who's everyone's parent? Like, they do it once, and it mm-hmm. becomes the expectation. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, Ahsoka doesn't have special parents. Ezra doesn't have special parents. As far as I know, Cal Khan Kestis doesn't have special have... parents. Like literally, Chewie the only people that parents. have special parents are the children of Darth Vader, the main character of all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and like, I also think people expected something more of Ray's lineage at the time of this movie because, like, Kylo Ren was revealed to be like. Han Solo and Leia's son but that mm-hmm. was not like a big reveal at all like they, it was like just a line delivered yeah, Snoke and then you're like, like oh wow on board a ship with your father Han Solo and we're all just like wait hold <laughs> up what? Did you, what did you just <laughs> say that back. rewind yeah but um I also like that I mean if the goal of Star Wars, which is and always has been to, like, give hope to people, the message that it doesn't matter, like, where you come from or, like, who your parents are, you can still be special. 
mm-hmm. is certainly a good message to put out there. Yeah. And um, it certainly makes logical sense, <laughs> I guess. But uh, I love the line Kylo Ren says at the end. He is like, uh, he's like, they sold you away for drinking money and they're buried in a pauper's grave in the desert. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing, like that. Who uses the word pauper, first of mm-hmm. all? P A U P E R. But I'm just like, mm, like, that's a bitter truth, but like, that resonates, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. But who's to say? Um, like I was saying a little bit earlier about people having a problem with some awkward lines, this one of the sequel trilogy gave us, I think, pretty much all of the iconic lines like like no one's ever really gone or um oh, what is he's like what is the line about the past he's like uh uh, uh something it's like past. Past. kill it forget the past kill it if you have to kill it if you have to um Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. <laughs> Mar! 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 <laughs> uh, um, uh, oh, shoot. I, I literally had a list of like nothing. Four of you're them. nothing. But not. Oh, yeah. Me. You're nothing from nowhere. Or, yeah, nothing. You're nothing. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I love um, when he's like, Who are you, Ray? Where are you from? And she's like, I'm from nowhere. No one's from nowhere. Fine, I'm from Jakku. Okay, that basically is nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this movie's so funny. And man, Porgs, Porgs. I've come around why... on Porgs. What? When, when I saw the promotional material, um, I thought they were nothing more than a, a ploy to sell stuffed animals. And although I'm not completely wrong, I've come. A- I I like the the bits they're used in, like when they just like they just stare up at Chewie eating them, the one, and then also like the one that has kind of like made a nest in the insulation of the Falcon. I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty funny. Well, yeah, and the one is like jumping on Luke's lightsaber after he throws it over his shoulder, mm-hmm. and the other one's like looking into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the island they filmed on had a bunch of puffins, and they were like, in all of these wide shots, you can see the puffins flying around, and we're not going to be able to CGI them out. What do we do? And they're like, oh, let's create a little alien bird thing. So it looks like a puffin, kind of. Yeah, so since it, with the mindset that is made out of necessity, done very well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Star Wars has always kind of had quirky little character like quirky little creatures like that's kind of what it is especially like little practical effect guys i guess Mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of the kind of the formula not that that's bad a lot of times when people say formula they say it's a bad thing but uh, well and this movie breaks a lot it's like the lifeblood of star wars i guess well, this movie breaks the formula of Star Wars so much that, like, the little parts where it is formulaic are fine. And I don't mean it breaks formula and, like, oh, it's not it's not what Star Wars should be. But, like, breaking the formula of, for example, Snoke. 
who is built up to be this huge villainous character and he is and the scenes with him in this movie are like really good and he's like a great character but his death is more meaningful than his existence so mm-hmm. they're like all right well we're not doing that trope anymore we're not doing the emperor again yeah and so the, we're not doing the, the we're not doing the metaphorical emperor again so they kill the metaphorical emperor and then they're like all right let's bring back the literal emperor then. yeah i mean people <laughs> we'll get to rise of skywalker so- next week yeah see the thing is people are like upset they like they built snoke up to be something and he ended up being nothing first of all I don't think they built Snoke up that much. Like, he was just kind of a name and a face. They didn't, like... There was no line that made you think, what? Like, who is this? You were just kind of like, who is this guy? Who is this thinly veiled, lukewarm (laughs) recreation of the Emperor? You know? Like, personally, I was not that interested in him. I... (laughs) And I still... I'm interested to kind of know where he fits in now that I have read the Rise of Kylo Ren comic and I kind of get the backstory on that and then with the knowledge that we learn about him in the Rise of Skywalker. But, like, as a character working within the film, he's really not that interesting. He is just kind of like this malicious big bad. Mm -hmm. So when he's killed, I'm like, yo! Like, maybe that was the intention. Like... Does anyone really want to know about Snoke in the movie? Because I certainly didn't, and I am really glad they didn't waste any time with that, you know? Well, and it's like everyone in the Resistance also knows his name. Mm-hmm. So it's like he can't be that mysterious or secret if Poe Dameron is able to be like, that's Snoke's ship right up there. I know Snoke's ship. So it seems like people know who Snoke is. So yeah. he's not like... He can't be... Like Darth Maul and the Phantom Menace. No one knew that the Sith existed. So when they introduced Darth Maul and kill him, the reaction, I understand more, where people were like, wait a minute. You created this cool character, and now you killed him. But, like, that's because he was mysterious. But Snoke is, like, not mysterious. Like, everyone is just like, oh, Snoke is here. And it's like, uh, and okay. Yeah, and especially in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, when we just see him, like, kind of walking around and talking with Kylo Ren, like, casually, I'm like, Wearing, yeah, like, like hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did we really care about Snoke that much? Like, come on. I, well, yeah, I, and people are like, here's my, here's my argument of, we already know everything we need to know about Snoke, Okay. And I don't mean that literally as in we know all of his backstory because we don't. But what we know about Snoke is that he chooses to make holograms of himself that fill a room. All right. He's deformed and old. He wears like silk shimmery gold bathrobes and sits in a giant ship. This is clearly a guy who's out of his prime, who wants to appear larger than life, who wants to intimidate people. But when it comes down to it, isn't actually that good and gets ca- like he gets capped by his own student and doesn't realize it. Mm-hmm. He literally it's... narrates his own death and doesn't realize it's his own death. Yeah, that's all he's... you need to know about Snoke is that he he thinks of himself bigger than he truly is and doesn't realize that like yo Kylo Ren is gonna murder you right now and he's like 
I see you ignite the blade. And then he's like, oh, it's that blade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like the whole thing. Like, the First Order aspires to be the Empire. Kylo Ren aspires to be Darth Vader. But so they're clearly all Snoke, recreations. Clearly, Snoke is trying to be the Emperor. But, um, obviously, he's not nearly as powerful. And, mm. uh, he, he, man gets capped. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. And it leads to, like, the coolest fight scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, sure. I flipped my lid when I saw that in theaters, let mm-hmm. me tell you. And I still was like, oh, yeah, baby. The two fights in this are two of the best fights in the entire sequel trilogy. Yeah. I mean, do we want to wait or just... Because I... I For could, what? I want to talk about the fight scene. Alright, talk about the fight scene. So, holy crap, it's so cool. Now, I've seen a lot of people like, and I feel like this is just people actively trying to dislike the movie, but like break down the fight scene. And they're like, this inconsistency doesn't work out. Let me tell you something. In every fight scene with a large group of people, someone will get like knocked out or like punched off screen. And then that stunt actor will get up and walk to a different spot and then hop back in. Like, that's kind of how it is. <laughs> like, um... Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for a big... I'm sure Star Wars could get away with not doing that, being how big budget and highly produced it is. But, like... I don't know. Like, you really have to be pushing... Pushing the limit to push... To... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. To kind of dig that deep to try to dislike something i guess yeah and it's like if you watch the scene as it's made to be like in the same like don't zoom in on things don't slow things down if you watch it normal speed like it's fine but when you zoom in close on people's hands and then you're like oh see the the sword switches hands in the next shot and it's like okay but it's it, it's fake. It's a movie. It's yeah. a fake fight. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, that stuff I, happens. I appreciate the movie's the not attempt. bad because it has a common like error that most movies have. Yeah, and I appreciate even the attempt to just do like a highly choreographed scene where you see a lot of the action when so many blockbuster action scenes are just a cluster cuss of CGI or just <laughs> or just like crazy quick shots that don't really tell you anything. Like uh we like see taken so when much it takes of... Liam Neeson six different cuts to get over one wall. Mm-hmm. Or taken two or whatever one that is. Yeah. If or freaking Catwoman playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> the Catwoman basketball. Oh scene. gosh. Look How it legendary. up. Look it up on YouTube, everybody. Um, well, we have five minutes left of this recording, so let's stop it and come back to finish off. Uh, this is going to be a long one. All right, we're back. We stopped the recording and we are starting it back up to finish out because we had a little more to say than would fit in the standard hour. <laughs> Yeah, um, I knew this would happen. <laughs> like, oh, uh, man. 
And yeah, I'm for um, it, you know. So that fight scene, the throne room fight scene, anything that takes place in a throne room is just cinema, like cinematically, mm-hmm. cinematographically, really good. Like, like the use of red is just really good. Um, and then the other fight scene being Luke versus Kylo Ren, which is my favorite, maybe in the whole um, sequel trilogy is another just amazing sequence. And it's less about the fight and more about, like, the mind game, like, the mind fight. It's mm-hmm. not the physical fight. It's also everything leading up to the fight. Um, I love where, you know, Luke... Or the Resistance is in the base on Crate, and they have no hope left. And then Luke just emerges from, like, the side of the, like, inside the base. And he goes to Leia, and they just have that really touching moment together where he's, like, or he's, like, she, I forget who says it. One of them is, like, I'm glad you could be here in the end. I think she says it to him. I'm glad you could be here in the end or whatever. And then she's, like, I've accepted that, um... He's gone, and I'll never get him back. Talking about Ben Solo. And then he says, no one's ever really gone. And it's just, it hits me every single time. Mm -hmm. It's like, no one's ever really gone. Like, this is the guy who saved Darth Vader and brought Darth Vader back to the light side. Like, anything's possible. Yeah, and uh, I, I probably like the throne room scene a little more. But I also do like this scene here. Because Kray is, like, the most beautiful Star Wars planet. And I feel like, like, um, kind of the set pieces in the planet and ship were, like, written into the story of Star Wars because Ryan Johnson was like, I want to do this, like, visually pleasing idea, like flying through like the red crystal kind of waves of crate. I was like, yo. And then like just the like the geology of crate with like those layer the thin layer of like salt and then like red dirt underneath, like was completely written because it just looks so gorgeous. <laughs> like yeah. that was just totally an idea that and the speeders had... and the speeders had the thing hanging down so they could have the red clouds mm-hmm. behind them. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's no practical reason for that other than it just looks amazing. Yeah, like it's just so awesome. And like with the throne room scene again, like, ev- like the one thing I appreciate about that is like everything's red, but then halfway through the fight like, a fire starts, and, like, the red wallpaper, like, burns up. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously symbolic of what Kylo Ren is saying. I guess. Like, it's yeah. literally what Kylo Ren says. He's like, we have to kill the past. So he's, like, destroying the rest of Snoke, mm-hmm. obviously. So, like, just the visuals, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I love in that moment when Luke is in the Resistance base before he leaves, and 3PO, who, again, didn't really have a role in this movie either. Him and R2 really don't have a role in mm-hmm. any of the sequels until, like, 3PO gets a big story in Rise of Skywalker. But um, in this one, he sees him, he's like, 
Master Luke. And then Luke winks at him and like keeps walking. And it's like, oh, what a, what a, like, it's such a sweet, like, cool, kind of funny moment. And then Poe's like, no, 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 shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, listen. Um, I love, like, the look of Luke in this scene is so different. And I think it's because he's appearing to Ben Solo as his old master. Um, Because obviously, like, Luke that we see on Octo is not how Luke looked in the... um, like the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book, even though that came afterward, but like he wouldn't have known Luke like that, but he knows Luke as the like force projection version that Luke sends. Um, and he would have known him when, like that when he was a kid. So like this whole battle is Luke kind of saying like, I'm sorry I failed you, but, like, you chose to do everything you've done. And he's kind of, like, kind of trying to, like, psychologically take him back to that place of when he was a kid and Luke was his master. Um, Like, saying, you didn't defeat me. Um, And then they, like, fight and everything, and... Luke able like Luke never swings his lightsaber in this. All he does is like dodge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even then it's like so cool. And then obviously he lets Kylo Ren like run through him with the blade and he like slides to a stop and turns around. And like like if you watch the little details like when Kylo Ren slides he pulls the salt off and you can see the red earth. But there are many moments where Luke does a similar thing and nothing happens. And that's like telling you ahead of time, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, by the way, Luke isn't here. (laughs) Luke's not here at all. And also he's holding the lightsaber that Kylo Ren just ripped in half. (laughs) Like, yeah. And Ray just ripped it in half and it shows up again. And I didn't catch on to it. Even in like towards the beginning of the movie, when, Kylo Ren and Rey have their first dyad. He's like, "Is this you?" And then he's like, "This couldn't be you. Like the effort would kill you." Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's kind of like what he, what he thinks Rey might be doing in that moment is what Luke ends up doing. And shocker, it does actually kill him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like, and I know people have a problem with that too. They're like, Luke should have actually shown up, and it's like, all right, well, how? And second of all. It's if Luke actually showed up and let the First Order kill him, then the story would be the First Order killed Luke Skywalker, and then people would be like, Well, we're doomed then. Mm-hmm. But if Luke Skywalker shows up as a force projection and Kylo Ren's lightsaber won't, doesn't cut him in half, and all of those walkers shooting at the earth does nothing to Luke Skywalker. People are going to be like, we can win this, even yeah. if Luke actually dies as a result of that. The First Order doesn't kill Luke. Luke sacrifices himself to, say, to save the Resistance, mm-hmm. not 
the First Order kills Luke Skywalker. And that's why it's so much better that he's not actually there. Because if he was there, it wouldn't be like the rest of, like at the end of the movie, we see Broom Boy, as people have been calling him. And he's like, his friend is telling him a story with like a little handmade uh, action figure thing. And he's speaking in alien language, but he says Luke Skywalker. And then I think he says First Order. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you the story that he's telling, but I assumed that it was this battle at Crate. And he says Luke Skywalker. And then the guy comes in. He's like, hey, get back to work or whatever in the alien language. And then the broom boy goes out and he force brings the broom to his hand and then holds it up like it's a lightsaber. And you see the ring with the symbol of the resistance, which is also the symbol of the rebellion, on it. And it's like, this is what Luke was doing. This is like what Luke's sacrifice did. Was th- it, it did this for people across the galaxy. But if Luke had actually been there and the First Order had killed him, it would have been Luke Skywalker died and the First Order murdered him and they're too powerful and we're never going Mm -hmm. to win this now. So instead, like, it's better for everyone that Luke didn't actually show up except for the people that were expecting Luke to be Gandalf the White or something. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, that is kind of Luke's arc in this movie. Uh, I mean, when Yoda appears to him, he's like, oh, Skywalker, still looking to the horizon. And basically what he tells him is like, well, he tells tells him a whole lot. You already know. Um, Drops amazing nuggets of wisdom, as Yoda tends to do. Mm Mm-hmm. He says things like, um, uh, well, basically, he says, still looking to the horizon, not what's right in front of your nose, bonks him with his little cane. And, and in Empire, uh, Yoda then he that. says, didn't you remember what I told you? Pass on what you learned. He was like, triumph, uh, mastery, yes, but also defeat, failure, uh, he, uh, failure especially. The greatest teacher failure is. Uh, and then he's like, you lost Ben Solo, don't lose Ray. He just says so much stuff, but, like, I feel like, um, and then obviously, like, the big kind of closer is, like, we are what they grow beyond. Mm -hmm. That's the true burden of the master. So, like, and then at the end, right before he dies, he looks over and sees the twin sons, which is obviously a callback to A New Hope and, like, kind of this idea of looking to the horizon but now it kind of takes on a new meaning not like a meaning of like longing and like wishing for things to be what they aren't but kind of like looking to the future and like seeing what could be and that's like what his sacrifice is for mm-hmm. and that's why he says he won't be the last jedi oh, Which, man. oh man best the best line in this movie and there are a lot is when Kylo Ren says to Luke, like, I'll kill you, and then I will, like, destroy the Resistance, and I will have killed the last... I don't remember the exact wording, but Mm -hmm. basically... And then um, Luke's like, amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. And I'm pretty sure he says something along those lines earlier. 
to Ray. He said, yeah. He's like, everything that you just said is wrong. And he, <laughs> says, he's, to, yeah. he says it to Ben this time. He's like, amazing. Every word that you just said is wrong. And then he's like, the resistance or the rebellion is reborn today. He calls it the rebellion. That's another thing I noticed. They refer to it as rebellion a lot. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know what that was about. Like, um, for example, like the one guy on the... He's like the captain of one of the cruisers. And then like right before his cruiser gets blown out, he's like, Godspeed rebels. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why? They're rebels now? Is that what we're calling them? What, what else? What else would he say? Resistors? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Touché, Luke is like, you know, Luke is like uh, the war has only just begun. Or he, no, it's the rebellion is reborn today. The war is only just begun. And I will not be the last Jedi. And like, oh man, it's so good. Cause mm-hmm. like, I know a lot of people are like, well, the sequel trilogy made Luke's victory irrelevant because now Ray is left at the same exact point that Luke was at the end of Return of the Jedi. And it's like, well, uh, not really. Mm-hmm. Because without Luke, there would be no inspiration for like the future. And it's like, yeah, Luke could create a Jedi Order, and he did, but, like, his role isn't to, like, it's it's hard to explain, but, like, Luke, Luke's primary purpose, I think, in life was to restore Anakin. Like, there's the prophecy of who is really the Chosen One. Is it Anakin because he killed the Emperor? Is it Luke because he is the one who turned Anakin to the light side? It doesn't matter. I don't well, think. I don't think it matters because... Uh, I mean, I think it's Anakin because I'm, re- I'm reading Master and Apprentice right now and it, uh, a lot of, it's a book about for those of you who might not know, it's a book about um, young Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan kind of at the be- in the middle of their apprenticeship and they study prophecy a lot. And the prophecy of the chosen one is like one born of no father, which it's Anakin. But like, like, I don't think that matter. I, I don't think that matters. And that's what you're getting to, I think. Well, yeah, I think, I don't think like, well, like again, in Master and Apprentice, they're like, um, put, you put too much faith in prophecies. Like, you, if you try to make a prophecy come true, it, it it works out how you don't think it's going to. Or, like, if you try to make a prophecy not come true, it happens exactly the way that you... A prophecy that misread could have been. Exactly. It's like, prophecy is good and all, but, like, if you don't... If you're not able to translate it, they're not important. So, to me, the chosen one is, like the sky the name skywalker and like that line of people is the chosen one to bring balance to the force which is why i think ray becoming a skywalker at the end works but i think anakin is the one who had to um you know humble the jedi <laughs> in the most polite terms i could think of humble the jedi <laughs> eradicate them <laughs> that um yeah that's a heck of a word for luke it. is the one who had to rest 
Anakin and then inspire the next person to make that leap to saying, all right, now we're going to move forward with like balanced force, you know? So I think like all three of them, Luke, because a lot of people regarding Rise of Skywalker and we might get into this next week is like, well, then is Rey the chosen one since she's technically the one who killed the emperor at the end? And it's like, well, couldn't it be everyone? Like, couldn't it just be the name Skywalker is the chosen one, quote unquote? If that line started, like that prophecy says, out of no father or whatever. So it's like, it could be, and like, I don't know if the prophecy is explicitly written anywhere, but like the prophecy that one will bring balance to the force. Well, how do you know it means one person, one like anyone who 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 be who is this Skywalker legacy or carries on this legacy. I don't know. It's just interesting. But um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we didn't talk about. I could keep going forever. What I would love yeah. to do at some point is to like watch the movie and have a microphone and just like pause the movie and talk about stuff as they happen. Mm-hmm. Um but as for now, I think we've we've gone longer than I think most of these have gone. Except I think maybe Attack of the Clones was pretty long for these. Really? That was that was our old system because we were that was before we recorded on the Anchor app and we used like a microphone. And I yeah. think an hour and a half or an what hour on earth were maybe? we talking about? <laughs> I don't remember. I think we probably got on a tangent or something, but. Yeah, Uh, that sounds about right. (laughs) Anyways, uh, that'll be it for The Last Jedi. Hopefully we've kind of explained why I don't hate things that maybe you hate or maybe reinforced your love for things that you love. Um, Hopefully this week we'll get to a more normal routine um, with me being uh, in here. Yeah, next Sunday is... I mean, that's the big day, isn't it? That's the last of this series, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm excited to rewatch that yeah. one because it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I've but only yeah. seen that one twice. Yeah, I think I saw it once. One, no, I saw it twice in theaters, and then we watched that's... it at home once, but we didn't start it until like 11:30. I fell asleep. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, thanks for listening to this. It was a fun one to talk about and a fun one to watch, and it's still my favorite. Um, See you next episode. Thank you for listening to Lando's Lounge. Lando's Lounge can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing us with a friend or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. To engage with us on social media, follow at Lando's Lounge Podcast on Instagram and like and follow the Lando's Lounge page on Facebook. To ask a question for our Q&A segment, The Carbon Freeze, engage with us in comment sections or shoot us a DM for the possibility of your question being featured. The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band Closed on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. Thank you again for listening and tune in to the next episode.